This podcast episode is brought to you by the Outcomes Rocket Network, where you get your healthcare insights from the most inspiring healthcare podcasters. Welcome to the Memora Healthcare Delivery Podcast. Through conversations with industry leaders and innovators, we uncover ways to simplify how patients and care teams navigate complex care delivery. Hey everybody, this is Manif from Memora. Really, really excited to have Dr. Jake Lancaster on the call today. Jake, thanks so much for coming on. Happy to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, you have a, a pretty interesting background that we were actually just chatting about right before this. Would love if you could maybe just share a little bit about kind of role that you're in with Baptist and, and maybe a little bit about your background and your story uh, that that'd be helpful for the audience. Sure. Yeah, I'm with Baptist Memorial Healthcare yeah, based out of Memphis, Tennessee. We're a 22 hospital system in three states. We also have 185 um, outpatient clinics. Um, I'm our chief medical information officer, as well as our chief medical officer for our Baptist medical group. I'm an internal medicine physician by background. So did my training in, in Mississippi, went and did uh, internal medicine residency at UAB. And during that time is when I, I got interested in healthcare leadership and did a master's in health administration from the, the UAB School of Health Related Professions. And uh, I always thought I was going to be a cardiologist. That was what I planned to do, maybe do, you know, electrophysiology. But then I kind of discovered the technology sector and wanted to learn more about how it was growing and affecting uh, healthcare and knew I wanted to, I knew I needed to understand it if I was going to be an effective healthcare leader. So um, these clinical informatics programs were starting around the country. Um, when I applied, there was about seven. Now I think there's 40-ish across the country. Um, but I was the first informatics fellow at, at Vanderbilt, um, you know, and it was during our big EHR transition from from Epic or uh, from uh, Star Panel homegrown system to Epic. And so helped a lot with that, developed some apps, really got to see the, the long um, term view of the landscape in informatics. And then from there, um, I went and was the CMIO at West Tennessee Healthcare for a year before coming on to Baptist. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Do you still maintain a practice? I work PRN. So I did when I was at West Tennessee, I was working two and a half days a week and then down to one in an outpatient clinic. Um, But now I, I try to work, you know, one or two shifts a month as a hospitalist, uh, just really just admitting patients. And then I've started to see more and more patients in the clinic, um, really just as needed with some of our urgent cares and helping out with some of the telemedicine work. No, that's great. That's great. Um, and, and, you know, the concept of, and even the role of, of kind of CMIO is relatively new in, in healthcare. So it'd be great if you can maybe just kind of level set and, and share a little bit around what does that really mean, right? Like what are the big buckets of ownership that you have inside of the health system? Uh, naturally the, the place that my head goes to and what we've seen with Memora is that they're, they're folks who can really kind of straddle a combination of having technical depth and understand what it takes to get systems off the ground while also having a lot of clinical knowledge and, and as a result should be responsible for a lot of the workflow integration of many tools. But, you know, would love maybe your perspective as well on, on you know, what it really means to be a CMIO at, at a system.org. 
Yeah, and certainly I think the role is different at each institution and it has evolved a lot over the years. Uh, initially, CMIOs were really just the, were the physician champions for maybe a new EHR going from paper to EHR. Um, and it's continued to evolve. Um, I feel like in, in grown a good bit to where you're a core member of the administrative team. Um, but I, I mostly see myself as the bridge between the physicians, the clinical side and the technical side. Um, help translate a lot from, um, you know, both IT to physicians and physicians to IT about different needs and requests um, that we're trying to get across or any projects that, that need to happen. Also, we work, you know, heavily with administration um, and trying to, you know, translate from, from both the IT and informatics side to them and vice versa. Um, one of the core things that we do today, and it's always been, you know, a core responsibility of the CMIO, but it's it's gotten more acute over the last couple of years, is focusing on physician burnout and especially how we can reduce the administrative burden of the EHR to make physicians' lives a little bit easier. So I'd say that's what I, I primarily focus on is how to optimize uh, the EHR, make it more efficient. Um, so that physicians can get back to what they want to do, you know, treat patients. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. And, you know, you'd mentioned that you, you thought that it'd be important to understand technology and in, in moving into more of a leadership role in healthcare. Um, what are some of maybe the broader trends that you've seen around how healthcare has changed over the past, you know, 15, 20 years that, that kind of gave you that intuition, right? And and maybe big technologies that you think have really completely changed the game for for what care delivery looks and feels like today that that get you really excited. Yeah, um, so 15, 20 years is a long time. You know, most systems wouldn't have even had an EHR 20 years ago. Um, certainly, the majority do now. You know, after the High Tech Act, uh, so that that was a piece. Um, I wouldn't say that was why I thought technology was important. It purely because of the EHR. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of Eric Topol's, one of his books he wrote uh, early on, The Creative Destruction of Medicine, talked a lot about um, digital uh, applications. And, you know, after reading that is kind of when I thought, okay, technology is going to be able to do a lot more and change the landscape in, in healthcare, and uh, I need to get a better grasp on it. So, you know, anything from apps to just uh, telemedicine to, um remote patient monitoring, things of that nature that we're able to do now that were not possible 20 years ago. You know, with the pandemic came along, a lot of hospitals started doing hospital at home. You know, we did that as well. And so just having, you know, the understanding of, of where it's going um, is nice. Uh, and and then data science, just the, what we're able to do from a data perspective uh, about the understanding of medicine, uh, artificial intelligence, how that plays a role. Um, all things that I knew that I was going to have to react to if I didn't understand um, the underlying pieces. And so I, I wanted to be in a position where I wasn't reactive, but I could be more proactive and, um, and you know, kind of design and mold these, these things that are coming through medicine in a way that was more receptive to, you know, the practicing physician. So that's kind of why I decided to, to go in the technology route. Yeah, no, that's, it's super, super interesting. And um, if you maybe think a little bit about that from kind of like the, the piece that you mentioned around helping to, to navigate both the clinical and the technical piece, uh, one of the challenges that I know 
every single early stage company runs into, plus every single health system has to deal with is that there's so many different areas in the healthcare systems right now that are ripe for quote unquote innovation or ripe for new technologies that can help move the needle significantly. And obviously there's a lot of validation that has to go into that to figure out what technologies actually are helpful and not helpful. But regardless of that, there's so much prioritization that has to happen to figure out where people should be spending their time. It feels as if one thing that I've seen and that our team has seen is that that prioritization looks dramatically different for an IT team or a technical team than it does for a clinical team, right? So sitting in the place that, and the role that you sit in, how do you think about being able to, to effectively communicate those priorities? Plus, how do you kind of, any like strategies or secret sauce that you have found around getting clinical folks to understand IT's priorities, getting IT folks to understand clinical priorities and and getting everybody on the same page around those? Yeah, um, you know, the the prioritization, it, it depends on, you know, the, how big the project is. So, you know, I think most systems everywhere have, you know, an IT steering committee. We certainly do that. Any new project that comes in, we have the appropriate stakeholders from across the, the enterprise. So we have our our CEOs for our different markets, our IT team, our CFO, um, as well as clinical leaders on that, that group uh, that are evaluating these new projects that come in. Uh, determining if it's right, uh, is it, you know, do we have, do, one, do we have it in the budget, which, you know, if you're reading the news about health systems today, most of us are, have struggled over 2022 and 2021 and expected to do so um, in, into 2023 based on the forecast. So, you know, that probably is the main driver uh, of what we can and cannot prioritize right now. I would say, you know, anything that doesn't have a positive ROI is really hard really hard to get behind. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that I would love to do that would improve physician efficiency and improve physician satisfaction. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's diff difficult to, it's difficult to quantify that impact in a way that makes sense to the bottom line. I mean, there's a bunch of people have done it. I can show that it saved physicians 30 minutes and that a minute of a physician's time costs X amount. Um, but at the same time, that doesn't necessarily show up on the balance sheet, if you know what I mean. So um, that is one way we we prioritize things. It's it, what is going to have the biggest uh, clinical impact that uh, for the organization. And a lot of that does come come back to, is it going to have a positive ROI? There's a lot of things that we do um, that will have a clinical impact as far as, you know, does this uh, improve patient satisfaction? Does this improve, um, you know, some of our other quality metrics? Um, so, you know, different things we'll take on that will affect hospital-acquired infections or, you know, or other things that are kind of related to our core quality measures as well. You know, that ROI does have, uh, you know, doesn't always have, you know, a price tag tied to it. Um, we do get, you know, you know, reimbursed and we get penalized based on, on quality. So it does kind of tie into that prioritization matrix there. Um, then the other way that we prioritize work, and these aren't big projects, new software or anything like that, but I, I run you know, our, both our inpatient and outpatient uh, optimization committees. So any changes related to our EHR, changes related to any other device that we use that our physicians are currently using that our team support, um, 
we bring those to that group, which is made up of physicians across the system that are uh, interested in technology. Um, and we, we go through the change request and determine if it's going to be right or wrong for the system. And so you know, that, those are kind of the two major ways. And then, you know, if it's patient safety related change, that's kind of the number one. And then does it have a financial impact? That's number two. If it's just a nice to have, you know, that's you know, prioritized a little bit lower and we'll get to it when we can. Yeah, no, that it, it completely makes sense. And, you know, I think that that's one of the, it's one of the realities of digital health is that the, you know, the concept and industry of digital health is is so, so, so new that, you know, there's so many companies that will have that first layer of validation of, yes, this helps save time, or yes, this helps improve engagement, but are still struggling to figure out the second part of that is how does that actually translate to some financial value for the system, right? Or how does it translate into some improved terminal outcome for a patient or something like that, right? And, and yeah. the reason is it just takes time. It, it's hard to get data like that. And it's really, really hard to build uh, data like that that's statistically significant and applicable across multiple systems. Well, and, you know, it's just the way our financial institutions are set up that pay for healthcare. It's it's difficult to do the right thing if you're not going to get paid for doing the right thing sometimes. So, you know, there's a lot of things that we would love to improve. You know, we had a baby last week and I was staying in the hospital and um, with my wife and, you know, the experience of staying in the hospital for patients is is pretty brutal um, and especially if you're not the patient, you know, you don't get the meal, you don't get, you know, a nice place to sleep or anything like that. <laughs> and I was just like, well, why couldn't we have, you know, just this extra things where if you wanted to, I could go in and, and pay for my own meal so I could split it with my wife or a, a better upgrade to a better place to sleep. But that's just not, it's not an option. It's not an option, but it could yeah. be. Yeah. Uh, no, hundred percent. And and congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Um. Awesome. I know that we're coming up on time here. So maybe one thing that, or two pieces. Um, I think the first is you mentioned that, and we just talked a little bit about prioritization. What are maybe big things that you are spending your time on right now? Any big initiatives at uh, Baptist in particular that you can share, I think would be great. And then second is, would love to to just hear a little bit of, of your reflection on kind of the state of where the healthcare industry and, and the healthcare system in the United States is right now. And, you know, naturally there's a lot of challenges, but it's also never been this exciting of a time to be working in, in healthcare in terms of how much opportunity there is to kind of improve the system and how much motivation people and leadership seem to have uh, across the board. So um, what are some of the things that are getting you excited, whether or not they're happening at Baptist? Yeah, no. Uh, so like I said earlier, burnout is a big thing that I'm working on. Um, one of the if you've gone to any conference related to, you know, EHRs or just any physician conference over the last couple of years, um, these messages from patients in basket messages just, you know, overload our systems daily. And it's because patients are more, we got more signed up for, for using the portals over the last couple of years and they're more used to using it. And uh, they're sending a lot of messages to the physicians and we don't have the staff to deal with it. And our physicians are spending a lot of extra hours after we're um, returning these. And a lot of times providing free care. So how to deal with that and how to uh, reduce that burden. Uh, two for us is uh, we are experimenting with ambient dictation. So, you know, these ambient scribes that, um, you know, we're using the DAX Nuance product with a 15 of our users where it records the conversation between the patient and, and the physician and writes the note for them, taking away that administrative burden. So th those are the two big initiatives I'm working on right now. 
Um, as far as we're going in the future, things I'm optimistic about. I do think finally we're seeing more movement into reducing administrative burden for the physicians and clinicians. Um, you know, CMS and AMA have worked some to reduce some of those documentation requirements that uh, never really made sense. So we're finally seeing some some effort. We saw that in 2021 on the outpatient side. We'll see that again on the inpatient side in 2023. So I'm optimistic that that is going to continue. Um, at the same time, there's still plenty of opportunity to reduce, uh, further reduce administrative burden and, and hopefully we'll make a lot of headway. Yeah, no, that's super, super helpful to hear. Uh, awesome. Well, Jake, thank you so much for, for coming on and thanks so much for sharing your perspective. Always helpful for, for me to personally hear and uh, for, for our team to continue to keep in mind at Memora, but also hopefully helpful for the audience as well. So um, just appreciate the time and, and hopefully I'll have you back on here again soon. Thank you so much. Enjoy it. Awesome. Thanks for listening to the Memora Health Care Delivery Podcast. For more ideas on simplifying complex care for care teams and patients, visit memorahealth.com. This episode was brought to you by the Outcomes Rocket Network. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, make sure you leave us a rating and review, subscribe, and let us know what you're looking for.